Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. And it gives me joy that today for our Value Salmon Series DNA, we're talking about social responsibility. In case you didn't know, social responsibility is one of our values as every nation Johannesburg. But one step further, the mission statement of every nation global, it goes like this. We exist to honor God by planting and establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, and socially responsible churches and campus ministry. So some people may not know this. This global mission statement did not used to have social responsibility until South Africans started screaming and shouting because we do it well. We said, as the church of Jesus Christ, we have to be socially responsible. And now all the every nation churches globally, they ask themselves the question, how can we be socially responsible in the communities that God has placed us in? Amen. We can celebrate that. We can celebrate that. Africa and Africans have always played a significant role, not only within the every nation family of churches, but in so many other things we have played a significant role. I love the fact that the songs that we sang this morning connected so well with uh, the topic that I'll be speaking about around social responsibility. I believe that the church of Jesus Christ is meant to be a lighthouse for healing and freedom. The church of Jesus Christ is meant to be a lighthouse for healing and for freedom. Let me ask you a question that we'll keep coming back to as we speak this morning. What if this church, Every Nation Rosebank, was to move to another location or was to close down for whatever reason, will the community miss us? Uh, that's, I was hoping you'll say that. <laughs> will they miss us? Think about any other church. If a church was removed from where it is currently located to go to somewhere else or to close down, will that community miss the church? The reason I'm asking you this question is because sometimes the church has ended up becoming a, a, a club, a social club for us believers, forgetting that there's a community around us that we need to touch with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are here because God has placed us here to be salt and light. God has placed us here to be a lighthouse to our community. Talking about a lighthouse, do you know that two significant roles of a lighthouse or a purpose or function of a lighthouse is to indicate danger, but to also indicate safety. So interesting. The one place that is meant to be a place of safety is also a place that can say, hey, danger, it can be dangerous. The church of Jesus can sometimes be dangerous in a good way. <laughs> because sometimes the very people that we love we love each other, we can rub each other the wrong way. But actually, it's for our own good. It's for our own discipleship that God is using the fa family of believers to change us and to shape us. So I want to share a story with you before we go to our text today. With the same question that I've just asked, if the church had to move, would the community miss us? 
A few weeks ago, we were asked to have a meeting with the Parktown Residents Association. Now, the Parktown Residents Association is an association that governs or covers or gives oversight to the residences that live in this area, even though we are called Every Nation Rosebank. But the Parktown Residents Association, this is where we are. We belong to this uh, residence. And as we have been uh, journeying over the years, the Parktown Residents Association, they never liked us. Let me tell you why they never liked us. Maybe you're wondering, you should like the church. The reason they don't like us most of the time is because on Sunday we take over this community. We park all over the place. And I think, let me just say, I think sometimes they are justified why they don't like us, especially when we drive on people's run. I wanted to call it a runway. I've been traveling so much. <laughs> driveway. <laughs> when you park on someone's driveway, it's unchristian. Let me just clarify that. <laughs> Can we just clarify that once and for all, that we don't want this community of people not to like us because on Sunday we're taking over their driveways. We need to correct that. Amen. In order to be a lighthouse in this community. They've also hated us for the noise. Sometimes we get too excited, like I do. And then we have tried our best to have good uh, soundproofing in this place. But also when we go out, we, we celebrate. We are believers. We're Christians. We celebrate. And when we have campus conferences, we can't stop the noise. I mean, it is crazy in here. That's when I know that I'm old. <laughs> when I'm around campus people, you know, like my watch would tell me, uh, the noise is too high. You must go to a place where the noise is lower. <laughs> but here's a miracle that has happened. This is a year of miracles, if you didn't know. The Parktown Resident Association asked for a meeting with us, thanks to Lynn Detroit and Taryn Hinton, Taryn is here, um, because uh, the lady who leads the Parktown Resident Association said, we have noticed that the number of homeless people in this area is going down. We have noticed that since you started this uh, uh, Tandanani project, they know about the project, since you started this discovery thing that you run on the Saturdays, the number of homeless people in the community has gone down. <laughs> Something is happening in the community because the church is here. The lighthouse is here. And now there becomes a ripple effect. The, the crime stat starts to go down because the church is here. Because the church is here. And now they say, we want to partner with you. I'm like, is this the same people? Let me just check. Is this the same people? The name is still the same. It's the same people. They didn't want to anything to do with us. They want to partner with us. They're even saying, if you can put up a car wash here so that the same guys that you're ministering to, they can have work. We want to partner with you. That's just the beginning of the story. Through the Car Guard program and the discovery groups, a lot of these guys that we've been ministering to, discipling, their destinies have been changed. A lot of them are members of this church now. They come to church. They serve in the church. But what I like is uh, when I go around, I hear strangers say, Pastor Sai, Pastor Sai. Just this Thursday, I was having coffee with Dorian at Craft, and this guy Pastor Sai, Pastor Sai is wearing an Every Nation Rosebank hoodie. He says, I'm working now here at this coffee shop because Pastor Nikolai has helped me to get a job here. I used to be part of Discovery Groups. 
He's excited. A few weeks ago, I was in Fendale. I arrived at this uh, office park. Another guy, Pastor Sai, Pastor Sai. I was in the discovery group. Now I have a job. I'm working. I can tell you story after story of how Charlie has worked with his people, discipling them and helping them to get jobs and regain their dignity. Let's go to the word of the Lord. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Is our text today. If you read in Isaiah 61, you will find the same text because it was a messianic prophecy. A, a messianic prophecy is a prophecy that speaks about the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So Isaiah was one of those messianic prophecies or prophet who spoke of the coming of the Lord. I like the fact that when you read in Luke, uh, we realize the fulfillment of this prophecy. If you were to read from verse 16, we realize that Jesus came to Nazareth. And when he arrived at Nazareth, they gave him a scroll to read. I like the fact that the Bible says it was Jesus' custom to go to the synagogue on Sabbath. So if it was Jesus' custom to go to the synagogue on Sabbath, what is your custom on Sabbath every Sunday? Is it to go and play golf? Mark, we're still going to do the golf day. After church, good. I, I, I'm just challenged by the fact that the Bible says, as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on a Sabbath day and he stood and he read the scroll. It was Jesus' custom. God himself saw the importance of going to church. Who are we to think that we can go without community? Jesus himself says, I need community. I need to be here. But I like the fact that when they gave him the scroll, he opened the scroll of Isaiah and he read here. You think it was a coincidence? It was no coincidence with Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book, he closed the scroll, and gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus says, today the scripture, this prophecy has been fulfilled in your hearing. I like the fact that the Bible says the eyes of all who were in a synagogue were fixed on him. May I remind you that when we come together every Sunday to worship God or in our connect groups, our intention is to point people to Jesus. When we come together, we gaze on Jesus. We are not here to complain about the aircon wasn't that great, the worship wasn't that great, the sermon was uh, average. We are here to fix our eyes on Jesus. We are here to point people to Jesus. And guess what? When you walk out of here, people can say, this one has been with Jesus. They can see there's something different with you. But where we started off, the Bible says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. When I look at this text, I see a few things that I believe God is speaking to us this morning. And I want us to unpack these things that I believe God is speaking to us. Let's look at it in the NIV and you'll see how these things are just uh, illuminated in this reading. 
the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Jesus says, the Spirit of God has come upon me. He has anointed me. He has empowered me with His Spirit to proclaim good news to the poor. You must see how this word proclaim is repeated so many times. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, the captives, and recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And I see in this text that there's the big five giants in the land that Jesus came to destroy. These big five giants is poverty, brokenness, blindness, captivity, and oppression. Let's unpack each and every one of these. Jesus is saying, as he's reading this text, he's saying, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Let me remind you that why Jesus had to come was as a result of the fall in Genesis chapter 3. When you read Genesis chapter 3, you realize that when Adam and Eve fell and they fell into sin, sin was introduced into earth and sin impoverishes, but the Messiah brings good news. Let me explain to you that not everything that we experience in terms of poverty is as a result of sin. Sometimes it could be because of the sins of others that we have poverty. But I want to speak this morning to all of us as believers that when we preach the gospel of the good news, we are taking people from a poverty mindset to a mindset of abundance. So when we disciple people in terms of all our social responsibility programs, we are doing that not just to feed them, to give them food, but we are trying to bring them to everlasting food. We are trying to help them to shift the mindset of poverty, a mindset of scarcity, to a mindset of abundance that is in Jesus Christ. So when Jesus said, I have come to bring good news to the poor, he came to destroy poverty mindset. I want to speak a little bit about poverty mindset because sometimes we think the poverty mindset is only in those that we are ministering to. But do you realize that we as believers sometimes, we are still stuck, we're still enslaved in the poverty mindset. So poverty mindset is a scarcity mindset. It's thinking that there's not enough resources for all of us. Let's unpack that a little bit. To give you examples, we see some of our politicians who are still carrying the scarcity mindset that when I'm in the position, I want to get as much as possible while I'm in this position because I might not be here tomorrow. That's what's happening in our nation today. If you're a politician in the house today, can you change the environment because you are there as a lighthouse for healing and for freedom? If you work for government, please be one of those that will bring change in government. Be a lighthouse for healing and for freedom. And I know that there are many men and women who are in government who are trying to bring change because there is the spirit of a poverty mindset that we need to destroy. And it's not just in government. We know that in business as well, there are businesses that are just thinking about the bottom line. How much money we can make, not thinking about how can we build society, how can we build community, how can we create jobs. I do believe that is still poverty mindset. It's just thinking, how much can I make for myself and my, for my family, and I'm out of here. Just in case you think I'm talking about other people, maybe you're working for a company, 
and you are stealing from that company, that is poverty mindset. And if you see other people doing that, trust God to give you the courage to call them out. Trust God because we are here to be a lighthouse for healing and freedom. I want to bring it closer to home because I think you, you're thinking that Pastor Sai is just speaking about the people out there. I don't know if you've realized that part of uh, poverty mindset can be um, you think that you're being a good steward, you're being prudent, but then some people, they end up into extreme cheap skates. If you watch Netflix, you'll know what I'm talking about. There is a Netflix show called Extreme Cheap Skates. And I'll give you the examples of what happens at Extreme Cheap Skates. Some of those examples are gross. In fact, when my kids introduced me to the show, my wife and I watched only one show. We were so stressed. We're like, we're not watching this show again. <laughs> we got so stressed by just watching what people will do to say we are saving. We are being prudent. But it's actually extreme frugality. That just doesn't make sense. Let me give you examples in case maybe you find yourself there. This guy says, in order for us to save money and to save water, we are going to take a bath in a swimming pool. I know, yeah, we've been having water problems in South Africa. We've had to be creative. But these guys in the U.S., they are taking a bath in a swimming pool. Number two, they are doing their laundry in the swimming pool. And just in case you think that I've grossed you enough, there was this one family... They were using one bathtub, one set water, basically one after the other with the same dirty water. Tell me if that is frugality or that is good stewardship. I was like, there's something wrong with this program. And then there was one that stressed me more. This family, they went to buy their child's wedding dress at Cash Crusaders. I can tell you story after story of uh, this extreme cheapskates that is coming out of a poverty mindset. But let me give you the good news. The good news is the antidote to poverty mindset is an abundance mindset that we find in Jesus Christ. I don't know if you notice that the resources we have in Africa are enough for all the Africans and beyond Africa. I'll give you just one example because there's so many examples. I don't know if you know about the Congo River and the Inga Dam hydroelectric power plants. They have only two phases completed now, but if they were to complete all the phases of this uh, hydroelectric power plants, we will be able to get 40,000 megawatts. So 40,000 megawatts, just to give you an idea, uh, one a megawatt can be able to provide 650 houses, 650 homes. So if you have 40,000 megawatts, you can actually supply electricity to five countries. They have done the calculations, five countries. And then I thought to myself, while we're working towards that, I don't know how long it's going to take, Dorian, maybe we can use Pico Power while it's taking so long. If you haven't heard Dorian speak about Pico Power, is one of the ways we can get electricity in all the homes in Africa who don't have electricity. And I'm convinced there's enough resources in Africa. We need to destroy this poverty mindset that there's not enough resources for all of us. Amen. Now, your takeaway from this is when we disciple people, 
we are helping them move from a poverty mindset to a mindset of abundance. I like what Dr. Kwame Bediako says. He was a Ghanaian theologian. He said, if your theology does not touch your universe, you are in trouble. If your theology, if what you read from the Bible, if what you process with what you get from the Word does not touch or change your universe, you are in trouble because you are believing something that is not affecting your world, that is not changing your world, that is not transforming your world. Our theology must transform our world. Jesus came to preach the good news to the pure, poor. The second one is to heal the brokenhearted. Sin breaks hearts, but Messiah came to heal the brokenhearted. Now, the Bible says he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. I like the fact that this morning we were praying for those who may be struggling with depression. And when we do uh, the, the course with uh, the workshop with Dr. Keith Tower, we're going to trust God for miraculous healing at that workshop for those who've been struggling with mental health issues. The good news, no matter the source of your heartbreak, can repair your wounds. That's what we believe in God for. We live in a broken society, and we need to trust God that the proclamation of uh, the freedom that is in Jesus Christ will bring healing to that brokenness. I was so challenged reading about Frederick Douglass, who was one of the few slaves who uh, escaped slavery in America, and he moved to New York where slaves were allowed to live free, and he became one of the abolitionists and he was speaking about the atrocities and writing about the atrocities of being a slave. And one of the things that he said was this, it is easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. What that means is the work that we do with children, whether through the Havens, Kids Church, let's do our best to build strong children so that we can have a strong society. We have a broken society today because we lost the battle in terms of how we raised children. It is easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. Thankfully, the gospel of Jesus Christ heals the brokenhearted. One of the things that really challenged me is broken people break others. Isn't it sad? Broken people break others. And the church is meant to be a lighthouse for healing of the broken and for freedom. The third one is to proclaim liberty to the captives. Sin makes people captive and it enslaves them. Yet the Messiah has come to set us free. You know, talking about setting the prisoners free, there's this lady we've been praying with at the Revival Prayer on Zoom platform every morning. We were praying with her trusting God for her brother who's in prison to be saved. And as we've been praying, God hears and answers prayer. Can you believe with me? God hears and answers prayer. And this is a year of miracles, and we believe that the culture of miracles will continue. We've been having miracles popping like popcorns. That's been actually what we believe in and trust in God that we'll hear miracle after miracle, testimony after, mi after testimony, miracles popping like popcorns. As we've been praying with this lady, trusting God for her brother to get saved, guess what? The brother gets radically saved in prison. And he starts preaching to others while he's in prison. And he sends out the message, says, next time you come to visit me, please bring me a Bible. 
they do their best to bring the Bible to their brother in prison. And when they arrive with the Bible, the prison warders, they say, no, 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 no. We, we won't allow you to give him a Bible. At that point, while the lady is still sharing the story, I'm thinking to myself, and yet you, make, you let Tabo Besta get everything he wants in prison? I just thought I should add it there. I was very angry that day. I was very, very angry. And then the lady and the family went to the management and they said, we brought a Bible and the prison waters, they're not allowing us to give the Bible. And the manager said, no, 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 we know this guy. We've seen how transformed he is. He's already starting to preach to others. We will allow you to bring in the Bible because then he'll preach to more people. He'll have the word with him in prison. Now, I'm challenged by that story because here's a guy who's in prison. He's been set free by the Lord. But how many people are walking outside of prison who are still enslaved? Who are still enslaved? So the gospel of Jesus Christ is meant to proclaim liberty to the captives because sin enslaves people, but the gospel of Jesus sets us free. Number four, recovery of sight to the blind. Sin blinds us both spiritually and physically. And for some people, they may have been born blind. For some people, it may be a medical condition. But the Messiah comes to heal both our spiritual and our physical blindness. I don't know if you know the story of Helen Keller, who was blind. This is what she said. The only worse thing than being blind is having sight but no vision. The only worse thing than being blind is having sight but no vision. How many people have sight but no vision? A spiritual death. Talking about physical blindness... We heard of a testimony recently at our church at Ramsach. There was a, a person who came to church. They had had an injury at work. Something went into their eyes, and the doctors did everything that they can. The person was not able to see again. And they had a patch on their eye, and the, the doctor said, we did everything we can. There's nothing we can do. And right there at the church, they prayed for him, took off the patch, and started seeing again. God is a God of miracles. He's a God of miracles. To this day, I still pray for the blind. I pray for the dead to come back to life because the Bible says greater works than this you will do because you believe in me. The gospel of Jesus Christ brings recovery of sight to the blind. And I want to get to this one because I want to speak about the oppression we see in the world today. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. Sin oppresses its victims. The Messiah comes to bring liberty to the oppressed. People are oppressed because of sin, because of ailment, because of demonic oppression. Mental health issues, as I've mentioned. I like when you read it in the Amplified, it says, to send forth as delivered those who are oppressed, who are downtrodden, who are bruised, who are crushed, who are broken down by calamity. That's what the gospel of Jesus will do. So when we do social responsibility, at the heart of it all is we want to see lives transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. In our efforts to be socially responsible and set the captives free, we need to be careful not to cause more harm while we try to help. Now I need to explain that. There's a book written called Do No Harm, 
helping a lot of people who are doing uh, CSI, or social responsibility projects, to make sure that you don't do harm while you're trying to help. I don't know if you realize there are certain times when you have an NGO coming in, maybe it's an international NGO, they go to a place and they look at the problems in the place and they start giving solutions, not knowing actually what is the root cause of the problem. You give solutions, you haven't asked the people what is the root cause of the problem. Some of you might have heard about the cobra effect in India under the colonial rule of the British Many years ago in New Delhi, they had a lot of, it was called Delhi at the time, they had a lot of cobras in the city. Thank God I did not live in New Delhi. Black people and snakes, we don't go together, just for clarity. So when we go to the snake park, I'm surprised how my kids will handle the snakes. My wife and I, were like, live, stay behind me, Satan. In New Delhi, they had cobras all over the city. And the government at the time, the colonial government, they said, in order for us to get rid of this uh, cobras, we've got a plan. We're going to help you to get rid of these cobras. We're going to pay any person that catches a cobra, kill the cobra, and come to us, sell the skin. So we're going to pay you for sorting out the cobra problems. There they go. The program goes. People kill the cobras. People bring the cobras. They get paid. And then there were some very scrupulous business people, as you would expect anywhere in the world. You will have scrupulous business people. They started farming cobras. They started breeding cobras. They literally started breeding cobras, and they were making a good profit. They were like, we're good. You talk about the triple P profit planet, people, we got this. And now lately they talk about the ESG, you know, environment. Uh, social responsibility and good governance. They said, we got this. We'll breed the cobras. And the government were like, what's going on here? We thought we were solving the problem. These cobras are not going anywhere. To make matters worse, they stopped giving money and the farmers let the cobras go wild in the whole entire city. Just when you think you're solving a problem, you're causing more problems. I can give you Story after story from this book of how people try with good heart to help. It's important to ask the people that you're helping, how can we help you? How can we help you? As we conclude, why do we do social responsibility? Is it just a tick box? No. We do it because we want to preach the good news to the poor. We do it because we want to heal the brokenhearted. We do it because we want to proclaim liberty for those in prison, the captives. Give them dignity again. We do it because we want to see recovery of sight to the blind, both physical and spiritual. We do it because we want to see the oppressed being set free. I don't know if you realize that the poor, they get to be easily used like tools in the hands of the evil one. I don't know if you noticed how People who are unemployed in South Africa are used not only by political parties, but different people. People are being abused because they are poor. Now, as a church, we need to be a lighthouse for freedom and healing. So we go back to the scripture we started with. The Bible says we need to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's the Jubilee year. 
Jubilee means to give people a new start, a fresh start. As uh, Dr. Yvette shared a couple of months ago, we were doing the series on the book of Leviticus, and she had unpacked to us what Jubilee simply means. Jubilee meant that, you know, you, you give people a fresh start by taking them out of slavery, but also your debts have been canceled. How I'm praying for the day for South Africa. In the year of Jubilee, the slaves were set free, debts were canceled. People were given a new start. But I want to speak with you about this word proclaim. You know, we need to understand when Jesus came, he did not only come to preach deliverance or bring deliverance. He became deliverance for us. So with all that I've shared with you this morning is for you to understand when Jesus came to proclaim deliverance, he became deliverance for us. The word proclaim means a herald. If you go and study this word, a herald was a messenger who would be at war. And once the war has been won, the messenger will run to the king and say, I'm here to proclaim that the war has been won. And as I was reading this, I realized that the church today has lost that whole essence of being a herald of proclaiming the good news that the war has been won. What do I mean when I say the war has been won? When Jesus came and he died on the cross, he said everything is taken care of on the cross. The war has been won. If there's anything I want you to walk away with today is an understanding that on the cross of Jesus Christ, freedom and healing for the broken, for the captives was taken care of. On the cross of Jesus Christ, freedom was taken care of. That's just the beginning. I, I heard a song that really touched me. I listened to it over and over again. The song says, if you think the blood of Jesus has run its course, you are wrong. If you think the blood of Jesus has lost its power, you are wrong. I'm here to proclaim to you as a herald that Jesus died for those car guards that were trusting God for their lives to be saved. I am here to proclaim that Jesus died for those kids at the havens that we are working with. He wants their lives to be set free and to live for Him and to glorify God. That's what Jesus came for. That we don't live in slavery, but we can be set free. I'm here preaching and I see that Dace over there. Dace, please stand up. Dace is one of the guys that has come through the car guards. You can sit down, Dace. A few weeks ago, I got a message from Charlie. Days has got a full-time job. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's what Jesus came for. Let's stand up and you think I'm done preaching. We're just beginning. <laughs> Let me give you some scriptures of the freedom that Jesus died for us on the cross. The blood of Jesus has not lost its power. The blood of Jesus still saves today. It sets the captives free. It heals the brokenhearted. It gives recovery of sight. You know, Galatians 5.1, the Bible says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm. Then do not let yourselves to be burdened again in the yoke of slavery. Don't go back to that poverty mindset. John 8.32, the Bible says, You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. John 8.36, so if the Son sets you free, you are free? Indeed. 
John 1 verse 3 to 5, the Bible says, Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life. In Jesus was life. And that life was the light of mankind. The lighthouse. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we may become the righteousness of God. The church is meant to be a lighthouse. The church is meant to be a lighthouse for healing and for freedom. I don't want to play church. I don't want to come to church just to say we had good worship. I want people like Days to be set free, to live for Jesus. That's what we are here for. We are here to set the captives free. Because Jesus died on the cross and his blood has not lost its power. Another thing I want to ask Every Nation Rosebank is when we approach communion table, we must remember what took place on the cross. Communion, it's not just a tick box. Communion is a declaration that the war has been won. Communion is a declaration that I cannot live in slavery. You cannot take communion and go back to slavery. The blood of Jesus has taken care of it all. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, I thank you that this morning you are setting us free from a poverty mindset. You are setting us free, Lord God, from thinking that there's not enough resources for all of us, Lord God. You are setting us free, Lord God, to understand that God... You have placed us here to be a lighthouse for the nation of South Africa so that we can see transformation because the word proclamation is proclaiming that the war has been won. We are a herald to say that the war has been won. And in this attitude of prayer, I want to give an opportunity to those who are here and uh, you may not know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. You probably have not given your life to Jesus. The gospel is the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life we should have lived and died the death we should have died in our place. Three days later, Jesus rose from the dead, proving that he's the Son of God and offering the gift of salvation to those who repent and those who believe. So if you are here today and you can feel in your heart God is calling you back home. He's saying, I've died for you. My blood has been spilled for you so that you can move out of slavery into freedom. If you are here today and you want to give your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, just raise your hand. If you want to give your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, just raise your hand. Thank you, my brother at the back. If you want to give your life to Jesus, or maybe you've walked away from a relationship with Jesus and listening to this message, you're hearing God is calling you back home. Just raise your hand. You want to come back home. Maybe you've walked away. Maybe you left this place, the lighthouse, and you want to come back to the lighthouse. Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Thank you. If you've walked away from Jesus and you want to come back, just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In this atmosphere of prayer, those people who raise your hand, I'm going to ask you to take one more step 
to come to the front and we will pray with you and we want to also start a journey with you. Can you please come to the front? Let's give them a round of applause as you come to the front. If you raise your hand, be bold and come to the front. Be bold, be bold, be bold and come to the front. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, my brother. Thank you. Well done. Good to be here, brother. Well done. Great decision. Come, my brother. Thank you. Stand right here. Amen. Amen. Thank you. If you didn't raise your hand and you feel like you need to come up here because you've been far away from the Father, this is your moment. This is your opportunity. Family, let's just join these brothers with us in prayer. Please repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, we come before you. We accept you as Lord and Savior of our lives. We repent from all unrighteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Brothers, Zale is going to, can you go with Zale? Zale is going to be with you. All right. Awesome. Amen. Hallelujah. Heaven is rejoicing over one sinner. Amen. There's a bigger party in heaven, not just for them. We know that globally people are getting saved today. God bless you. Let's go make a difference. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. What an awesome word. I don't know about you, but this series, the DNA, the values that we live by, the acronym for divine nature attributes. It's not only made us aware of our values and the mandate that we carry, but it leaves us challenged. William Marion Branham said something profound and he said, the beauty of the church is the character of its people. And today, I ask the Lord that may scripture be fulfilled through our hearing. For us hearing what God wants to do. And so I want you to just join me in prayer. I'm going to pray for us. Not us that are going to receive salvation today. Father, we want to repent of the misappropriation of our time. And of our resources. That has left us often depleted. And limited in being that lighthouse that you have called us to be. In being that antidote to poverty. We ask, Lord, that you redeem our mindsets from a poverty one to one of overwhelming abundance. Not based on what, how much we have, but on who you are and the price that you've paid, God. More than enough knowing who and whose we are. We ask, Lord God, that you would redeem and heal the past in our present. Whatever past is in our present, God, let that be healed. That we can live as a people whose debts have been settled, Lord God. Enlighten our blurred vision, God. 
Give us a new, fresh start. And I want to pray Romans 15 verse 13 over us. Now may God, the fountain of hope, fill us to overflowing and uncontainable joy and perfect peace as we trust in Him. For us to overflow with hope and to bring that hope to our universe, oh God, and impact that universe to be changed. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround our lives with His super abundance until we radiate with hope. We ask this in Jesus' name. And while we God in this spirit, we can declare, we can speak a blessing. We ask, oh God, that you would bless us. You would redeem us. You would cause your face to shine upon us. We ask, Lord God, that you would lift your countenance upon us and give us peace now and forevermore. Amen. I want to ask as you go out, don't rush out. Greet, linger, speak to somebody, bless someone. Have a cup of coffee. Engage. And go and impact your environment. Because this is who we have called to be. And let it start today and never end. And let us grow more and more.